Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Dave AC and the Sixth Doctor. I'm going to have a first sip in a moment. But I've just got a warning for you before you introduce anybody else, Ian. Mm. I heard somebody crunching a carrot and heard someone drinking what sounded like water, so be careful. Ah, yes. It's the Easter Bunny. <laughs> no, no, wrong holiday. And uh, somebody who's uh, oxygen-deprived and banging on my window, it's Mr. Randolph. Oh, hello, Mike. Let me in. <laughs> hello, hello. hello and I'm hello. looking over at my beverage of choice and uh, rather worried. <laughs> that dihydrogen monoxide is looking quite worrisome tonight. Yes, yes. I keep your eyes firmly fixed on it in case it starts running all over your desk. All right. It wouldn't be Christmas without a Christmas present. And this week's Christmas present comes in the form of Gail Willis. Don't know who that is? Well, here she is. It's Willis Girl from the Colton Collective. Hello, Gail. Hi there. Happy holidays. Gadget, gadget. Gadget, gadget. <laughs> Great to have you here. Yes. As, as you may have known, we were joined last week by somebody from the Happiness Patrol. Yes, Mr. Lewis Bailey was with us. And uh, Gail has graced us with her presence on this one of our Christmas specially specials. I might have mistaken, you know, Ian. It might, that carrot that I thought, it, it might have been Gail leaving it out for the reindeer. Yes, yes. Carrots all over the place, water to be seen abundantly. And uh, I think it's almost time that we blast off for the Red Planet, folks. Yes, we're talking all over the top of Waters of Mars. Ba -ba -ba -bom. Yes, it's the specially special Christmas special specials. If everybody has their special episode, the waters of Mars at the ready. I think we can begin. Lady and gentlemen, are you ready? Yes, have spacesuit. We'll travel. <laughs> Standing at the base, ready to go. And my lady, are you ready to go? All systems go. All right. Gadget, get. In five, four, three, two, one, lay. Oh, there's static Ooh. on my copy. 
Hang on, it's cleared up. It's not Kellum. Yeah, somebody's home movies. We were doing this earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> that the analysis that was done of this video by the fan community, everybody's like, "Oh, it's 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 it's, it's a blonde woman. It's gonna be the master's wife." Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, and it's the master's baby, and oh, oh god, there was just so much going on. Because I mean, of course, the clips were just you know uh, very very split second. So people were seeing all sorts. And the good thing about that, of course, it was a one-way transmission. They wouldn't have been able to talk in real time because there would have been a 20-minute uh, delay. The, um, the Russians have just uh, done an experiment on, uh, or it might have been the Chinese, and to make it realistic, the supposed group that were going to Mars, they gave them a 20-minute delay on messages too and 20 minutes back. Which was realistically done there. She was listening to a recording. Ooh. Right. And of course, we saw David Tennant in the spacesuit again. Makes a reappearance. Uh, this is what its third appearance. We got a similar one in uh, uh, forty-two, and uh, also uh... impossible astronaut. Sorry, planet. Right there, impossible planet. Satan pit. Yes. There you go. Impossible astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There you go. Impossible astronaut. <laughs> yeah, I got Moffat. a bit ahead of myself. Yes. Yeah. Very ahead. <laughs> no trespassers. <laughs> oh, also making a return, well, for a while. This episode was filmed in the quarry, or at least that opening part with the TARDIS. Okay. Actually, <laughs> yeah. it looks very, very nice. Very, very Mars-like. Mm -hmm. Very well done. Well, what I liked about when you saw that geodesic dome, it reminded me of... Um, the the Patrick Troughton Moonbase episode. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes. And as we saw there in that part of the robot, the base is called Bowie Base One. <laughs> a reference to a certain David Bowie song. Going back to what we've been commenting on, Life on Mars. And I always thought Bowie Base was a, a fish sauce. <laughs> Bowie. Oh, somebody slap him. <laughs> Gaelith can be your job. Keep him in line. Because <laughs> otherwise I won't get a word in edgewise. Oh, there's Kale's gadget gadget. Gadget gadget. Oh, oh I missed that theme. See, see, she's well at home here. That's what we say at the open of every one of these. It's like, oh. <laughs> And we're off. <laughs> yeah, that gadget gadget reminded me a little of, uh, you know, number five is alive. Yay, mm. Stephanie. Or Wally, <laughs> you know, a lot of people were comparing it to. I don't remember that much green in the uh, flashing. Mm. Wow, that looks good. It does. And of course, Mars is uh, right in the uh, news at the moment. There's uh, lots of expeditions going on. Curiosity, and of course, there's a Russian one uh, that's locked in Earth orbit. But never mind. Oh, wearing this thing. I like that uh, spacesuit. Yeah. <laughs> ah, David Tennant. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. The doctor. Yes. That's good. But he was out of this just... world. So, 
But we couldn't have another doctor like him after him, of course, because yeah. then it should be like, you know, having a Tom Baker after a Tom Baker. What would be the point? And then you get the fan base comparing the two. Yes. The original was better, blah, uh, blah, blah. Yes. <laughs> get it, get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gadget, gadget. <laughs> yeah, that guy's a sort of a space version of uh, Edward Scissorhands, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> of course, this episode called The Waters of Mars was originally going to be called Red Christmas. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, Working oh, in the Mars theme, it's a, in its own way. <laughs> and of course, the place we're filming in is Eden, the Eden Project. Yes. Fabulous place. Okay, I'll let you carry it. <laughs> and there's that phrase the doctor, the tenth doctor used. Oh, you beauty. Yes. <laughs> Oi, save him for the reindeer. <laughs> oh, Eden reference, right. This is great. Yes. Uh-oh. So well done. You're just like... He's just nattering on. Yeah. Completely oblivious. Sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now you notice. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> and he's not here. It's just great, isn't it? Oh, it is, yeah. Lovely view back as it draws back, brilliant. And uh, playing Andy Stone is Ellen Rusco. Who's uh, been in uh, an awful lot, actually. Uh, he's, I think it was one of the first times that we've actually seen him without, uh, well, Makeup on till <laughs> about a second ago. Uh, he's been uh, in Parting of the Ways, uh, Bad Wolf, Boomtown, uh, World War Three, Aliens of London. Uh, yeah, uh, he's been Slavine. He's been Autons. He's also uh, was a clown in, in Sarah Jane Adventures. And is the doctor referencing Wiki like we do? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but apart from that, he's also been in. Oh, here's an interesting one: The Christmas Carol, the musical, <laughs> two thousand four. He was in Star Wars: uh, Attack of the Clones as uh, Lot Dodd. In uh, uh, the Phantom Menace is uh, uh, Plo Koon, and uh, Bib Fortuna. He's also been in the Fifth Element. Hmm. I should just say, by the way, the events of this uh, episode take place the day before my 113th birthday, which makes me two years older than Bilbo Baggins, 111. <laughs> I'm assuming I'm going to still be alive in uh, uh, 59, 20, 2059. Still podcasting as well, if there is podcasting. <laughs> There'll be holographic databases worldwide. Yeah. A lot of people found that annoying, that boom, boom. Boom, boom, on everything. 
thought it was a neat way of, you know, basically condensing what we needed to know, you know. <laughs> the, the actual broadcast date, of course, was the 15th of November, 2009. Two years ago, guys. Two years ago. I'd say it's appropriate to say that originally it had 9.1 million viewers, which was corrected to 10.32 million, had an appreciation index, appreciation of 88, which is absolutely fabulous. Ah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, there's always that hold on moment. <laughs> I thought that was built in for an advert break, that myself. Um... Human so being, I was going to talk about a different cast member, but now they brought up uh, they brought up Maggie, so I'm going to have to talk about her. <laughs> what do we think of it as a base? Though? I mean, we talked about the exterior. I thought the interior looked a little bit 2001, but it really works. Oh yeah. Well, what's interesting about the interior of the base is that it's designed after the moon base from Jerry Anderson's TV series UFO. It's it's based directly off of that. Oh, wow. So if it looks familiar, you may have seen that series. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, do you mean Space 1999? No. UFO. Nope. You can tell he's referring oh. to his notes. <laughs> <laughs> you have to believe him. He has notes. Yes. Ah. <laughs> I always knew he's professional. Exactly. <laughs> what he's doing here, then. <laughs> uh, but as, uh, as we're about to see... Uh, Sharon Duncan Brewster is playing Maggie, uh, who has been uh, most recently in the TV series Top Boy as Lisa. Uh, it's been in uh, Blooded, Rasta Mouse, Holby City, hey. EastEnders. Way, oh, all the way back into 1992, she was in Grain Chill. I used to watch that. Ah. Oh, and uh, in 1999, she played the character of Claire Johnson in the episode Seeing the Light of Casualty. Woohoo! Casualty! <laughs> yes, my work is done. Good night. Of course, I'm here waiting for Ian to go over uh, Lindsay Duncan's filmography because there's a note there for that character. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'll get there. I'll get there. I was going to say, she's an editor out. I'm trying to knock him off as I see him. <laughs> I'll spring her on you when you're at least expecting it. Okay. <laughs> Was this shot in the Millennium Center? Very probably. Mike, got anything? Hey, let me check my notes here for filming locations. Um, filming locations. Um, uh, there's a location in, in the uh, Taft's Well Quarry, uh, but in Cardiff Wells, but nothing in the Millennium Center. Hmm. National Botanic Gardens of Wells and Victoria Palace. Nothing in the Millennium Center. 
Yeah, because normally when they use a big stone corridor, that's where they get it. But yeah. That was a different one. I mean, we haven't really seen that kind of a view from the Millennium Center before. So, yeah, I wonder where they found it. Maybe it was a factory. Hmm. Yeah, it looks too big for that, really, there. Yeah. It looks more like a, conta- a warehouse for containers. Mm. Oh, their rules go out the window, don't they? Yes. I always used to get me with some of these films where, you know, these astronauts are trained for seven years, first sign of a crisis, and they, uh, yeah, <laughs> goes. And the gentleman doing the examining. Yeah, playing Tarak uh, et al. is uh, Chuck Sabatine. Sabatine. Hey, oh God, you, you people get things like everyone else. What's that name again? Oh, don't you dare. <laughs> that guy with the long hair. Uh, you may have also seen him uh, in The Hustle. Uh, Robin Hood is Isabella's guard. Uh, and had a nice long stint uh, in Doctors. Uh, was also in Sarah Jane Adventures as uh, Mark Grantham in Warriors of the Kudlak. And also in EastEnders. Wow. Wow. And just before we get to a dramatic sequence, just give you a bit of a time check. We're at 13 minutes, coming up to 30 minutes and 50 seconds. Lights on. Brilliant, Mike, brilliant. <laughs> Maintenance man of the universe. Like it. Are you growing hashes here? <laughs> <laughs> There's a few houses around Manchester that have flowers like that growing. <laughs> Oh, we're robbing, they're robbing for Christmas. <laughs> for Christmas dinner. <laughs> Just looks like a Christmas car. Oh. Oh, she's... Um, Watson Mars won the 2010 Hugo Award for Best Dramatic Presentation Short Form. Over the two previous Doctor Who specials, The Next Doctor and Planet of the Dead, which hopefully you've just enjoyed as one of our other little Christmas treats. Yes. You know the cliches. Yes. <laughs> Good one, man. I'll leave you there until you... Turn it to something else. And playing Yuri uh, Kerensky. God, they do try me. Alexander Mikic. There you go, even better with an accent. <laughs> you may recently have seen him in uh, The White Van Man. It's cool. Uh, in uh, GoldenEye 007, the video game. And playing a voice in there. He's... Uh, Actually, done a number of video game voices. Castlevania, Lord of Sh- Lords of Shadows, there, Mike. Oh, rather recently on the 360. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, oh, wow. He's also been in uh, Identity. Uh, Survivors is Jarek. Secret Diary of a Cold Girl is Ooh. Alex. Uh, from uh, the first series, actually. So he's been had by Rose <laughs> Tyler. <laughs> uh, back, in, back in 2002, he's in uh, Vita's Pet. And of course, he also has been in Casualty. Yes! Yes! And another out of fo- focus transition going on in the background. Oh, completely yes. ignored. and <laughs> Quite a fear factor on this episode. Brilliant. Oh, and, and, and we all missed the, the gay reference, you know. Oh. There was a gay reference? Yeah, yeah. yeah. His husband. His, his husband. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. That damn Russell T. Davies and his gay agenda. <laughs> Lots of water. Caspian sees a lake. <laughs> <laughs> The suspense here of not focusing in on it is brilliant. What did you just say? <laughs> I hope that was the royal we. Wow. They Parental had, uh, advice. <laughs> there was a, a lot of uh, trouble actually getting this effect to work. They had, uh, you know, they tried doing a uh, prosthetic underneath a wig where it would drip down them and everything. And uh, finally, they, they came up with this system where it, would, you know, it came up through the prosthetic and into the mouth, and then they just let the water come out. Um, but very, very difficult to perform under those uh, circumstances. Basically, you get a mouthful of water at all times. Plus, you're working with something to... Uh, pump the water, so that means electricity. So, you know, uh, very, very difficult. It's an awesome scene. Of course, this was uh, the, the, the preview uh, trailer that we had seen. Yeah, so around this time, the BBC started posting one or two clips from each episode. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty good. Oof. Pretty wet. <laughs> and of course, a lot of people saw the the, the cracks and around the mouth is looking kind of ice warrior-ish. And the lead up to it, of course, because everybody, you know, Doctor Who fans, when we're talking Morris, it's like, hey, you know, the ice warriors. And they get a reference later on in the episode yes, as well. Yes, they do, which is good. It's nice that even though we haven't seen them in a while, which I don't know if I ever want to see them, because they're awfully slow and lumbering. Yeah, they they fit the slow the slow pace of the original series. Yeah. They, they, this is more fast-paced. Yeah. Uh, one exciting fact is uh, this episode aired first on the 15th of November 2009, the Ice Warriors hit our screens, first of all, on the 11th of November, 1967. And there, of course, is Peter O'Brien, who I was quite familiar with, having watched Neighbours. Um, 
But he's not. He's known for for more than just neighbors. He's known for the flying doctors, I'm sure too. <laughs> no, uh, actually, he's he's currently working uh, in post production on our two uh, items. He's in Undertow, playing Marcus French, and Careless Love as Luke. Um, but you will see him in Dance Academy, Underbelly. Uh, he was actually in X Men Origins Wolverine, which is interesting because I think he kind of looks like. Anyway, never mind. Don't drink the water. Drink the wine. Drink the wine. Drink the wine. Of course, yes, he's uh, been in the bill. Queer as folk. He was in Queer as folk. Awesome. Another Davies series. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, it was in the old new Alexi Sale show. I loved Alexi Sale. But yes, he was in the the Flying Doctors as Sam Patterson, and uh, he was also Shane Ramsey in Neighbors. Another Ramsey has appeared in Doctor Who as well. And for five points, does anybody know which one it is? No, my quizzing is done for the week. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sorry, I missed it. Even though it was. Mm. About a month ago. That's true. Yes. <laughs> Time dilation. Yes. Here we go. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like the gadget gadget. I must have really? it. Ah, the kids like it. <laughs> this was a bit of a really. stretch, but <laughs> yes. It's a makeshift segue. <laughs> nice segue, that. Oh. Look at the look on his face there. Brilliant. Uh. Wow. <laughs> That's motoring. Now that's good. It actually showed it going over the lips, something that K9 couldn't have done. Right. And I love their running in this, too. Well choreographed. I love this line. Mm. What? Here it comes. Mm. There you go. Water always wins. Brilliant. But wine will get you drunk quicker. Let me ask Gail, Gail, is it sometime since you've seen this episode, are you sort of reliving it, or have you re seen it recently again? Um, this is my first time seeing it again, since it first aired. Ah. Wow. W what were your first impressions? Oh, I totally loved it the first time I saw it. Totally. And it's not disappointing now? Oh, not at all. Not at all. Even watching it with us. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, they won't shut up. 
choking over the good bits. <laughs> Ancient Martian. <laughs> There was a nice underplay as well in this between, you know, uh, the leader of the expedition and a second lieutenant. You know, there's some history there that we know is going to play out, but it's there's lots of tensions. Great. Yeah. Well, go on here. Do you still fancy her looking like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you know. Do you like the hairstyle, Gail? Tense bit, this tense bit. Action one. Evacuation. Action one, have a drink. Yes. Action two, panic. <laughs> Don't panic, Mr. Mannering. Don't panic, Mr. Mannering. Hello? Yes, and yeah. she's back. She went to Mars for a bit, but now she's back from outer space. What? Hello, Gail. <laughs> Hi, what happened? I think ah. you went to the water cooler, but I hope you didn't drink oh. any. <laughs> We're still going. And I'm here noticing a rather interesting effect about Phil Ford's original plan for this episode. Apparently, his original plan for this episode, called Midwinter's Tell, was a sword and sorcery tell about alien princesses coming to Earth. <laughs> and it included a long chase sequence. And then Russell T. Davies came in and said, you know what? No. <laughs> and we're just coming up to 26 minutes and 30 seconds. Oh, okay, I'm going to pull this up. Ooh. Great, great menacing. Oh, yeah. Mm, definitely. Now, this is the thing, the dilemma. Do they, if they go back to Earth, do they actually just make things worse? Right. Ice field, the ice field, the ice field. We're going to take the ice field. Who wants to come along? Oh, that moral dilemma there. Should he stay? Should I stay <laughs> or should I go? See what I did there? <laughs> yes. I want a bike with a bell on. Ring a ring ring. <laughs> There we go with that. <laughs> Visiting time's over. Yes.
I mean, we we, we talked when we were uh, doing our other Christmas one, the uh, the Planet of the Dead, is that um, you know things that was a bit of a jaunt, a bit of a jape, but no doubt about it, this is winding us right up, ready for a two-part finale to follow. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, I'm going to take this dramatic moment to uh, talk very briefly about Michael Goldsmith, who is playing Roman Groom. Mr. Gadget Gadget. And that's all I have for him, really. Unfortunately. That's it? That's all I can <laughs> find thus far. Uh, unfortunately, there is nothing on the internet movie database about him. wonder what happened to him. I don't know. It's interesting. Because he's very good in this, actually. Uh, then we get a name check for the Ice Warriors. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently there was a deleted scene for this episode that had some more with the with the doctor talking about the ice warriors saying that they couldn't that after they defeated the flood they fled the planet you know this explaining why they're not here in this story taking care of things. Ah. <laughs> so deleted scenes. Interesting. It always seems such a shame when they've only got like one thing listed for an actor because I'm sure he's been in a lot of stuff. He probably does a lot of theater. Mm-hmm. Um, in 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 the uh, the earlier Doctor where they um, they met them, uh, Victoria is introduced to our um, uh, creature identifies itself to Victoria's Varga, an ice warrior from the planet Mars, who mm-hmm. has indeed been frozen for millennia. Mm-hmm. Fixed point in time we're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, there we, there we yeah. go. I'm going to talk all over this, but anyway. So. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's because I've actually found some information on Michael Goldsmith, because everybody deserves their, their, their full thing to be read out. Uh, it does do an awful lot of theatre. Um, he most recently been in uh, Clybourne Park playing uh, Dominic Cook at the uh, Kenneth Theatre. Um, also, uh, Six Degrees of Separation. And, uh, let's see, uh, done some radio work, too. As Lieutenant Jerry Wright in The Lonely on BBC Radio 4, and uh, Chris in Winter Storm on BBC Radio 4. Does, some, does quite a bit of uh, audio work, which is nice to see. The other thing is, this this bit really reminds me of an old science fiction book I read called The Outward Urge by John Wyndham and Lucas Parks, uh, which covers five generations that go out into space. Uh, One generation is on the moon. The second one is on the first landing on Mars. Yeah. Uh, Trouble about Venus and then asteroids. So it's a brilliant book written a long, long time ago, The Outward Urge. Oh no! Yeah, the direct tie-in to uh, Stolen Earth. Mm. 
and the Dalek appearance. Yes. Copyright. Yeah. Nice. But Dalek doesn't stop talking, does it? No. Judging by the lights. The whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what it was saying to her? Yes. You left the stove on. Go downstairs and turn it off. Talking as it went. <laughs> Sorry. Can't resist. Make sure I can resist. I choose not to. Shut him up, Gail. <laughs> she can't. It's impossible! Uh, which, which... It's so dependent on having a woman of this stature playing the part. Uh, playing uh, young Adelaide was uh, Rachel uh, Fuel, who I don't have any other information on either, but she was great. Yeah. Remember those headlines? Oh, we're listening to this again, folks. Come on, come on, it's a commentary. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do some cast information then. <laughs> Cosme Ashore is actually playing uh, uh, Steffi Erich. Erlich, sorry. That's the wine talking. Speaking of wine, I'm indulging in a Redwood Creek, California Merlot from the Fry Brothers. It's very nice. Uh, but Cosme Ashore, you will have seen her in uh, Pete vs. Life, Masterpiece Theater, uh, Mr., uh, Masterpiece Mystery, in uh, in the episode uh, Zen Wrecking. But has also been in uh, Trevor's World of Sport. Alfie? The movie. Mm. And V for Vendetta. Ah, right. It is uh, a number of things that are actually coming out. Uh, Junk, uh, which is in post-production. Uh, the Year of the Snake is Andrea Berger. It's in post-production. And Papadopoulos and Sons is Sophie. So look out for those. No casualty? No casualty. No. Ah. Hey, as long as I get one in, I'm happy. That central bit there with the four spokes coming out looks a little bit like uh, from Alien, if you remember that, where they had the central console that mm. they used to sit around. Bikes. Bike. Drink. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, Doctor, you should leave now. <laughs> leave now. Forever hold your pieces. Now, is this a significant moment? Uh, interesting note for David Tennant is that six episodes, out, six days, rather, after this episode aired, the 21st of November... Uh, David Tennant surpassed John Pertwee as the second longest actor to be in the role of the Doctor. Uh, he was the Doctor at that point for 1,617 days, where Pertwee had just been 1,616 days. Ah. So neat little numerology there. There you go. 
Right, playing Maya Bennett is Gemma Chan. Uh, why why do I have that such relish in my voice? Because we've actually spoken about it before uh, in the episode The Blind Banker of Sherlock. Uh, she played Su Lin Yao. Uh, but she's also been in Secret Diary of a Cold Girl, uh, Fresh Meat as Ruth, and is currently filming Love Life. Uh, it's a TV series. Uh, as Kathy. Uh, but it's also been in the IT crowd as the female Sulu in Renum versus Renum. Mm-hmm. I should just mention as well that the uh, the 10th Doctor had not long been in, um, just before this, in the uh, Sarah Jane Adventures, The Wedding of Sarah Jane Smith. That episode had aired on the 29th and 30th of October. This, of course, aired on the 15th of November. So just, uh, just over two weeks prior to this, He'd been in that uh, two-part adventure, The Wedding of Sarah Jane Smith. Which that two-parter for Sarah Jane was filmed after they finished filming The End of Time, Parts 1 and 2. Yes. So that was actually Tennant's last performance as the Doctor. In The Sarah Jane Adventures. (laughs) It's all coming together. Yes, it is. And playing Mikhail uh, is Max Bollinger. Bollinger, that sounds like a good... Fine, yes. <laughs> He's uh, also been in The Crossing. Uh, 20th Century Battlefields. Space Race as a Russian cosmonaut. Slight slow motion coming into effect. Mm-hmm. Brilliant, brilliant. I mean, he's not... He is acting, but... I mean, you, you've said it before... Ian, and uh, you're absolutely right. Just with a simple look in his eye, he can communicate so much to the audience. Yeah. It's, 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 I mean, yes, I do like him as the Doctor, and he is one of my favourite actors to ever portray the role, but I also look at him as an actor and envy him greatly because of that ability. He can just project that emotion through a look in his face and yeah that's one of the great things about being an actor is trying to pull off something like that you know make it believable make the emotion register on your face and yeah it's internalized isn't it it's it's behind his eyes he's not he's not just going through the motions he's in the moment as it were brilliant brilliant acting yep yes i'm gushing again Nice scene again. We might just be quiet here, although Ian will probably talk. Yeah, I probably will. It's amazing, isn't it, Gail, with us wittering on, how you can still be drawn in. Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) It's, it's, It's a difficult... Now, I guess the good thing about having a guest on is you do come to realize how difficult it can be to not watch and to not be drawn into it, you know, because uh, a lot of people tend to like, well, you know, you got to talk, you got to talk, you got to talk. But sometimes you, you just can't help it. Sadness in his eyes. Brilliant. Yes.
well lit the inside of the helmet too. It's quite mm. ominous and cold and Mm-hmm. Now, is that red line the Christmas bunting they've got up? Yeah, I think so. thing is she takes this speech on board so to heart which is so important for later on brilliant yeah. I do hope the audience appreciates our silence during these moments times mm. This is what I like about these specials. We have 60 minutes. We're coming up to 42 minutes. Um, just coming up 42 minutes now. Normally, the episode would be wrapping up. Right. We've got time for it to breathe here. Yeah, until now, it's been you know, bang, 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 bang. And now it's just... <gasps> Acceptance. There you go. Get on your bike, son. On your bike. <laughs> anyway, as I was about to say, now that we've kicked back off again. <laughs> yeah. the here, you, here. Yeah. here you go, Mike. Lindsay Duncan, who is playing Adelaide Brooke. Um, currently quite busy. Uh, in post-production now are uh, uh, Black Mirror. And the uh, episode uh, National Anthem. Uh, Richard II, a TV movie, as the Duchess of York. And uh, currently filming a TV series, White Heat, as Lily. Present day. Hmm, interesting. Wonder what that could mean. So look out for that, because it says present day. So obviously there's some time dilation going on. <laughs> interesting. Oh. <laughs> But she, does, oh. she, she actually does the narration on Come Fly With Me, which I find is really kind of cool. Um, but in the TV movie Margaret, she played Margaret Thatcher, of course. Uh, but has been in... It would take me a while to list everything that she's been in. Wouldn't it, Dave? Indeed. And I'll probably repeat it afterwards anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, all the way back to... Oh, Riley Ace of Spies. I remember that show. I like that show. Dick Turpin, haven't seen that in forever. <laughs> but it just shows you how long she's been out there working. Really? I wonder if she's won any awards. 
let's see. Yes, uh, awards. She has. Uh, she won a Best Actress. Uh, uh, Bratislava International Film Festival Award uh, for Best Actress for Afterlife. Uh, and uh, also won Best Actress back in 1990 uh, uh, Catalonian International Film Festival for uh, Reflecting Skin. Oh. It was also has been nominated uh, quite a number of times. Uh, BAFTA Awards, 92, 2000 and 2002 uh, Best Actress Awards. So, yes. There's one of them coming in the, in the future, I'm sure. Uh. Oh, there she goes. Yep, there goes Steffi. And uh, playing her, uh, it was it her, her kids there. Uh, Anuska Strans and Sophia Strans. Beat that. See, got it in one. <laughs> Whose only credits, uh, according to the database, are Doctor Who. Oh. No, no, you're not. <laughs> oh, no, you're... Sorry, let's get that to the hand, though. Don't blink. Bugger. <laughs> Some of the other people involved in this uh, cinematography by Ernie Vincent, Darth will be happy. Uh, casting, of course, by Andy Pryor, and production design by Ed Thomas. And one more note here before we really get into the drama here is that when Russell T. Davies was originally writing his part for the episode, he was originally considering Helen Mirren to play the role, Lindsay Duncan's role. Ah, so that was your that your, your little yeah, title? that was my interesting there, fact there. there. Yes, <laughs> Brilliant. There. Hasn't she also played Margaret Thatcher? Um, Somebody else just sure. played Margaret Thatcher in something. I thought it was Helen Mirren, but maybe I'm wrong. Never really kind of understood that. Anyone here? Well, we're assuming that they had an affair. Yeah, I would think yeah, an affair or some kind of relationship. But uh, yeah. Of course, doing that, he didn't just kill himself. He condemned them to stay there. Beautiful music there. I was wrong. Meryl Streep played Margaret Thatcher in The uh, Iron Lady in 2011. That's who I was thinking of. 
Uh oh. Oh, it's about to go off the rails. Uh, we <laughs> this is where it really gets really disappointing for me. In a, in, in a disappointed at the doctor kind of thing. Another trivia question is, where did all those clips come from? <laughs> mm. Five points. Three the point points. is, this allowed them to go in an area of the Doctor's personality they've never been able to go before. And right. We're getting near towards his 13th regeneration. This has got to be explored a little bit. Right. We did it, we did it the, the, the Sixth Doctor somewhat. Especially at this point here, where we know that the regeneration is coming soon, that allowed Russell T. Davies and other writers to really explore this part of his personality. They couldn't do this normally. No. But now that we know he's going to regenerate, we get this. Yeah, because there's no way back after this. Oh. oh. <laughs> and of course, we heard that during the uh, the, the preview clips. Uh, boom, boom, and we're like, "Oh, oh, here's the four knocks. It's coming in this one," you know. Uh, and of course, in the Planet of the Dead, uh, that uh, the lady said, uh, "It will not, it will not he will four, four time. times." Yep. So a nice little teaser there of the three knocks. Uh, uh, that's all you get. Hmm. This is where it gets scary. I mean, and and he sells it too. Yeah. It's not just you. You, you know how you get the 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 old ladies shows where you know they put a a fake mustache on 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 the lead actor and play he'd play his evil twin kind of thing. Yeah. It'd just be really unconvincing. <laughs> no, this is convincing. This is a time lord unbound uh, off the rails. Disappointing, but but fun as well, you know. The makeup and 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 the use of the water is fantastic, and I mean it's a, it's a it's a wonderful enemy. Water, I mean, really, I mean, Moffat may have come up with some scary aliens, but you know, you know, something based on a statue or something under the bed. Uh, but water? I mean, that's just... It's fabulous. Mm. It can. It can get anywhere. I have a funny robot. Mm. Just, I mean, look. Full open mouth there, and you don't see a dang thing. You don't see an appliance. Nothing. It's very well done. Mm. Millennium Effects did great job. Um, I, I think Millennium Effects was the ones really kind of responsible for helping get the appliance to work. Because it was a it was a very difficult. I mean, if you watch the uh, the, the confidential on this, this one, you'll see that you know all the trials and tribulations I went through to try and get this to work to make it believable. Mm. And, and I think they, they really did pull it off. It does come across as just being dead scary. Here we go. 
There we go. <laughs> I have a bit of a problem with uh, something going that speed over such rugged terrain. Right. And still going in a straight line and not like just creating off course. And of course, we'd seen this uh, a small clip like this during the the, the preview trailers. I mean, really, it is it is a very, in a way, a, a, quite a classic Doctor Who story, you know, where people get bumped off. A murder mystery type thing, too, you know, where slowly but surely everybody gets bumped off until you've only got a couple of people left. Well, you've got to just think, think of the film Total Recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, they had about £100 million, pounds, $100 million to play with to okay. create the effects they did for Mars, uh, which had a similar story with water lockdown and that. Yeah. Um, and here we're doing it on a TV budget. But doesn't the TARDIS have isomorphic controls, which means only the Doctor can uh, operate? <laughs> 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 Not saying anything. <laughs> Gail, where are you? Come on. <laughs> I mean, you, I know you're 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 quite a David Tennant fan. How did this this whole thing with the Doctor kind of go in a bit off the? bit off the plot. How did how'd that make you feel? Oh, it made me uh, worry about the future of Doctor Who. I was wondering if he would be turning into the master. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, it's... It's, it's, it's so against what he normally does. Nice shot. Just watching uh, Sky at Night. Uh, well, it was in November anyway, not now. A uh, brilliant episode they had on the Mars. Oh, it must be a Christmas special. It's snowy. <laughs> I do love the fact that the TARDIS doors, when they open, creak. <laughs> and they always creak the same. I mean, that's, that's the classic series creak. I mean, that's not... New Creek, that's classic Creek. Yeah. Which, towards pretty... the end of Series 6, the TARDIS doors are creaking again. Yes, thank goodness. It's brand new crud. Sorry. <laughs> I don't like the fact that the TARDIS is so nice and pretty. I like my TARDIS all beat up. That's <laughs> mm. yeah, out of power? Ah, oh, gadget, gadget. Gadget, <laughs> gadget. Some kid's going to think it's got a great present for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> I can see my house from here. Oh, <laughs> oh it has actual snow this time. You know, most, most times we've had uh, snow in Doctor Who, there's been no reference to it being the ballast from the Titanic, uh, uh, the remains of a ship breaking up in the atmosphere. No quirky uh, notes on this one. Yeah, and knowing what we know now know about the TARDIS, I wonder why it sent them sent him to Mars, knowing that that it's a fixed point in time. Mm. 
Well, it's, it's to emphasise the fact he's not got uh, anybody to uh, moderate him, has he? He hasn't got a companion to... Uh... Right. That's true. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I can't miss. Yeah, this is this is. There's a there's a there's a thing that he says coming up that's just. Ooh. Again, he sells this. Like I said, he, he doesn't come up as the, the pantomime villain. Mm. He comes across as a... Mm. Yeah. Like a... Yeah, they're little people. Mm. Little people. Mm. And she totally owns him on this. Uh, I didn't like that phrase, but it it needed to be said, I suppose. Mm. Oh yeah. Mm. Well, that's what you're wondering. The doctor is actually terrifying at this point. Mm. Yes, he is. I, I guess at this point you could actually see how the master can exist. You know, given enough. I mean, because the doctor has always been this powerful, but you strip away all the checks and balances, and this is what he can become. So, really, when you look at somebody like the Master, who is able to dismiss, who has the mentality to be able to dismiss those checks and balances and say, I don't really care, then you can see how you know, easy it is for there to be the villain, the Master, you know. This is just a fabulous scene. And I'm going to talk all over the top of it because it's fabulous now. <laughs> Slow metal. Mm -hmm. Ominous drums. Oh. Flash of light. Which there are several interesting things about this. First of all, we we never we never saw those phasers, whatever you want to call them, used in this episode, mm. and Davies made a point of doing that because if kids saw that and then saw the end scene, they would be trying to imagine what that would have looked like, mm. and you know you don't want that. The other interesting thing about this was the original script that Davies wrote didn't have uh, Adelaide doing that. She lived. She didn't kill herself. She she lived and she stood in the doorway and saw the rest of this. She saw the doctor seeing Ud Sigma here in a bit. And the last we saw of her was her seeing the doctor change a bit there. And we see her crying. But she didn't die in the original script. And I'm then glad. Daisy's realized that, you know, we need that. The doctor needs to see that happen. Yes. Mm. He's got to know he's gone too far. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it does. It, I was, it's one of those things where you, you question... Um, Suicide being shown on TV, but it totally works, and kids get to see it, uh, and you think, oh, that's a that's a bit much, but no, because it's this, it's the Doctor going to. Paul Casey is the Ood, of course, but not yes. sinking. Ood Sigma. It's that 
counter or alter tenor singing, who was brilliant at the proms concert. Yes, he was. Leave Ood segment of last scene in Planet of the Ood. Yes. Soon your song will end, Doctor. He has a marvelous way of ending. That slightly astride kind of like look at that. Isn't that fabulous? The way he stands. It's authoritative and oh. Yeah. I do miss David. Was that the um and everything. Garlic's created by Terry Nation. <laughs> Gotta have that in there. Uh, give Terry his... Uh... Anyway. But yeah, um, not looking forward to the next two um, because <laughs> I haven't actually watched them since they aired. It's one of the few ones which I did not watch over again because... Basically, I was in tears. So I don't know how the next two recordings are going to go. But anyway, back to this um, really good Doctor Who, because it, it, it does... I mean, Doctor Who does well when it follows certain things like uh, the, the murder mysteries uh, that we get in, like, uh, Robots... Uh, robots of Death, uh, Terror of the Vervoids, and things like that. You get this murder mystery kind of, you know, murder on the Orient Express type event. People slowly but surely get knocked off, you know, towards the conclusion. Uh, this plays with a great concept, which is basically Doctor Who itself. The Doctor arrives at a location, at event, an event, and is able to meddle to a certain extent. We're always assuming that the way history has gone, that's the way it's supposed to work, the way the Doctor does it. This one flips it on its ear and says... You know, this is the way the history is supposed to play out, and here's the Doctor going, you know, no, I'm I'm in charge, I'm in control, I decide what happens, and we see the consequences. And like I said, it's it's a bit scary, you know, watching this with your you know ten uh, year old son, and a woman basically goes into her house and shoots herself. Uh, you think, well, how does how does a kid process this? But they see the end result. They see what this means to the Doctor. I mean, it starts from when the Doctor comes back in and says, look, no, we're going to save everything. The kids know what's wrong. The kids know that the Doctor is is going down the wrong path. And so it, I don't know whether it lessens the the event itself of, of, of somebody committing suicide on TV because it's obeying the timeline, which is what Doctor Who's all about. You know, you there's these, this preconceived, you know, things that happen in time and uh and 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 so i don't know it, it 
it just seems to work. I mean, Liam didn't say, oh, why did she do that or, or anything? He knew why. She was correcting the timeline, the way it was supposed to be and the way the Doctor should have let it be. And so it works. Um, so yeah, great episode. Uh, like I said, the, the effects are great. You really kind of believe the whole, they're on Mars, uh, the outside shots. Fantastic. The only thing I guess I have a small qualm with is uh, Wally, I mean, sorry, Gadget, uh, streaming across the Martian landscape without, like, you know, flying <laughs> uh, ass over. Anyway, um, because he hit a, a small stone. No, he's rocketing across the landscape. If it had been completely flat, I would have been a little more understanding. But no, everything's great. Uh, some fun moments, uh, a lot of drama. Nice scare. I mean, really, the effects were quite scary. Uh, the monsters were scary. So it's good. Um, it's good Doctor Who. Nice build-up towards the last two episodes, which, of course, we will uh, cover in the next two commentaries. But until then, Dave. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, one, one thing I would just say in uh, defense of that robot thing, which I, I agree with you, I, I originally thought that, but of course, Mars is only about uh, one-third the gravity of the Earth, so maybe you couldn't read it off with that. But we've got to go back and uh, counterpoint this episode, I think, with um, uh, Pfizer Pompeii, going right back to the second episode from the fourth series, uh, which aired about 18 months prior to this, where they have that thing of, you know, they can't save uh, the people because that event uh, is a fixed point in time. And we had that lovely moment uh, with uh, Donna and the Doctor pressing the uh, controls that would instigate the you know Pompeii being dis- destroyed and and we feel there such a hard decision but it was the right decision and here we're all the way at the other end of the spectrum and indeed this is an area of dot two that could only occasionally be explored there's no coming back from this uh, whether whether we were hoping that the 10th doctor would survive we knew at this point he his song was coming soon. Um, th- there isn't any way back, except for a Time Lord, there is. And that is the basic almost reset. The the different Doctor, sorry, not the same Doctor who has a slightly different um, aspect of his character and personality and, uh, and whatever come out. Essentially, it's one Doctor. But the only way that this one could come back from the precipice is, is via the events that that are going to take place towards uh, the two-part cliffhanger. But the acting style there, I mean, we said how marvellous David Tennant's acting is. Uh, again, one of his finest examples here. Yet Lindsay Duncan has to be able to stand the ground, match him, and, in effect, uh, make him realise that he has overstepped. Just as when, um, again, um, Donna when the, the doctor was uh, attacking the, uh, uh, the you know the queen spider yeah and no, um, not cigarettes sorry the sorry. Um, yeah uh, yeah um, the rachnos rachnos there you go yeah i was i was expecting mike to come in and, and correct us because he's yeah. good at that but 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 we we have a guest co- uh, helper on here so i want to hear what they say but i absolutely thoroughly enjoyed that difficult to comment on simply because um, I'm, I'm in awe of the quality of uh, some of these episodes we're now covering. I absolutely take my hat off to the whole production team on this one. Um, apart from the gadget gadget, I can't fault 
this episode in any aspect. They're very chilling, beautiful locations, honed together to make a, a really well-crafted whole. All all the uh, the cast had their moments, yet having the one hour definitely made the difference. Please, 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 BBC, any specials you do, do give them that extra 15 minutes. It pays absolute dividends. And um, in one sense, I'm almost wanting to say this was not to at its best. And then I'm now looking at the latest series and thinking, has it been up to the standard? And then I think of things like uh, The Doctor's Why and Let's Kill Hitler. And I think it has. Um, so the, 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 the scale and the breadth and the, the fact that Doctor Who has stayed at such a, a top-notch programme for so long absolutely marvellous and um, if I better not gush any more thrilled to bits with it and look forward to being back with our listeners again for another of our Christmas specials yes Mike yeah but bit of a response there to what Dave was saying it's kind of it's a tough thing to to compare something from the Moffat era to the Davies era because you know you've got two different people with two different writing styles and two different managerial styles for the show two different visions for the show basically so yeah, it's two different things, but, you know, uh, The Doctor's Wife is a good one to compare it to. Neil Gaiman's story. Love it. But as for this episode, it was an interesting point in Doctor Who because at this point, everyone in the fan community knew that the regeneration was coming. We all knew that the Doctor was going to regenerate and going he was going to die soon. We just didn't know when and where. We kind of thought it might be this episode, but then a lot of us knew that there were two more specials coming up after this, so... Uh, going back to the Planet of the Dead, which was the last, you know, fun rope that we had with the Ten Doctor, going to this story, which is very dark, even from even from the the base under siege story to what happens there there at the end when the Doctor uh, changes quite considerably, becomes quite terrifying. Uh, I remember when I reviewed this on Colton Collective, I was pretty tough on this episode. I really only liked the, the last little bit there on Earth when the Doctor had changed and was the Time Lord victorious and then he realized he saw what Adelaide did and realized what he had done and realized that you know his time was coming to an end. His song was coming to an end. But after watching it again, I, I liked both parts of this episode. There was, as I said, that we have the basic classic series base under siege type story. that we, it, it seems like something would go from the, from the Patrick Troughton era. It's fits right in there and it was quite well done the monsters were very terrifying as ian pointed out water always wins yeah i quite liked how that was done and that itself was a very good story very terrifying and then we got to the end and it was a ter- terrifying even there when the doctor was time lord victorious so we went from you know fun adventure to the darker era of the day of the the davies and the, the david Tennant era leading up to the regeneration coming soon. So I overall loved this episode and watching it. This is the first time I've actually seen it since it as Gell did, since it aired and since we were reviewing it on Coltum. So it was nice to revisit it and love this episode. Excellent. Gail. Um, of all the two hundred two thousand and nine specials, this one was my favorite. Um I I um I love it because it's very dark and it has sort of a grown up ending with the suicide at the end, which is something you don't usually see in Doctor Who. And of all the uh, stories that Russell T. Davis has written, this one is among my favorites. Excellent. Mm. Anything else you want to add? I mean, you, you, we ramble on for ages at the end yeah. of these things. So, you know, <laughs> feel free to say anything you want. 
the production code to this uh, episode was 4.16. There you go. There's something, There's something we, never that's do. There. we never do production codes, Dave. Why is that? <laughs> I never remember them. <laughs> Dave isn't the version of production codes. <laughs> uh, I seem to remember, uh, and probably somebody's already mentioned it, so that's how much attention I pay. It, this was almost could have been a Halloween episode, couldn't it? Well, here's here's something else that we didn't mention is the director Graham Harper, old school. Mike, I'm I'm disappointed. <laughs> I kept waiting for you to mention it, but yeah, Graham Harper, who started off with the Caves of Androzani there at the end of the. But the, doesn't he have his his telltale thing that he does? Oh yeah, the the magnifying glass. We do see that early on in the episode where his his signature style that he does whenever he's directing he has. Um, one of the characters, usually the villain, uh, we see their face, usually an eye, through a magnifying glass. And we saw that early on. There you go. You see, that's what you were missing. You're fired. Oh. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that, I think, about wraps it up for this especially extra special special Christmas special. Yes, guys, I say that an awful lot, don't I? Ah, uh, well. <laughs> uh, we would like to thank so much Gail for showing up, Gail Willis Girl from the Colton Collective. Thank you for coming along and joining us. Thank you. Brilliant yes. having you on. It's really yes. helped us. Great. Yes. Yeah. Loved having you here. <laughs> yes. Thank you. All right. And it's goodbye from Willis Girl. And it's goodbye from Brand Althor. And it's goodbye from Dave AC. And it's goodbye from Ian, the Sixth Doctor. Goodbye, everybody. You know, I didn't get any water in my wine. So relieved. Get it, get it. I haven't touched my water this entire episode, and I'm still afraid of it. <laughs> carrot juice, carrot juice, carrot juice. Oh, there we go. I forgot that one. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.